Welcome to Jazz 88, Miss Alita Adams, who's coming to the Dakota on uh, July 23rd at 7 p.m. And uh, we are just thrilled to have her join us on Jazz 88. It's always a pleasure being on your show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. And welcome back to the Twin Cities. This was like a second home for a little while. I know. I know. Oh, my goodness. We have so much history with your family and um, the great memories that we've made, good music that we made, and oh, yes. I've had I've had so much fun singing with you. In fact, there are some of those songs that I'll listen to today that I think about uh, you singing with me on the some of the BVs, and I go, "Wow, that woman has really got it." How you're able to blend so perfectly, and uh, and not everybody can do that with my voice. But I'll tell you what, you've got a lot of magic, lady. Oh, and that's what I think about you. You've got a lot of magic, Olita. And when I had the honor of working with you those handful of times, it taught me a lot about what it was like to be in your presence and work and sing with you. And it's a memory I'll have in my heart forever. I love that you're coming to the Twin Cities. I love that you're performing at the Dakota. I believe it's one show, right? Yes, one 90-minute show. Well, we, we call it 90 minutes. <laughs> we'll see, because I we'll know you... We'll see what happens. If it... <laughs> we'll try to stick to 90, but uh, well, sometimes it goes a little over. Well, it's because, as you said to me, so many shout their favorites towards the oh, end of the yeah. show, you know. Absolutely, and you know, it, it becomes important. You never know who's going to be there and from how far they've come, you know, uh, and... Some of those tunes have such deep meanings for these people, and uh, I really never take it lightly. And I know how I would feel, you know, if I went to a concert with someone whose music I was very familiar, not just familiar, but had lived with, you know, who had helped me in some difficult times. You know, you want to go, wait, you got to sing my song. And that's how they kind of feel about all that, you know, and and that's always such a pleasure. And, uh, you know, that's what, to me, when you're singing to people, that's the way it should be. We should all sit around and say, oh, you know what? And then I was feeling this, and they'd go, oh, me too, me too, and oh, that that one has a special meaning, and, and that helped me through this and that, and uh, I love for it to be a very intimate, moving kind of journey. Olita Adams is my guest. She's appearing at the Dakota coming up on July 23rd at 7 o'clock. Olita, you and I have had many great conversations, and I know, and maybe a lot of the listeners know this, but your roots are not in the jazz R&B world where you fit so beautifully. Your roots are in gospel, even down to getting some awards, Grammys, Dove Awards. Talk a little bit about the beginning of your career. Well, being a preacher's kid, and I'll say twice over because I was raised by my great uncle who was a Southern Baptist minister, and I started playing uh, in the church. Well, from the time you can stand up by yourself, you sing in the choir, 
But I learned to play the piano at a, oh, around nine and a half or ten. Started playing for four choirs when I was 11 years old, and I did that for uh, at least um, seven or eight years or more. And uh, and so you learn a lot about, I'll call it performing in church, but what they teach you is that don't get up there and waste our time if you're not going to really feel, you know, the music. And the the idea is to bear your soul, totally open up your heart, be very vulnerable, be very authentic, be very honest. And when you move people to tears, that has to be not because of the beat. It has to be because of the message and the fact that people are, you know, very much relating to what you're saying. For us, it was uh, songs of hope that comfort us and bring peace in church. And that lives with me. So I've always felt that that was really my purpose in life was to sing and bring comfort and peace and and also enlightenment, if you will, to people just sing about you know, some things that are, are, well, causes and things particularly in this climate, this present climate, um, that help us to understand each other. And uh, and because so, the whole purpose of the whole thing is to help us get along with each other. I think that's what it all is about. I think that's what really religion is is really honestly meant to do, to help us to learn how to live with each other. Uh, and live with each other in peace. And sometimes it, it does the exact opposite. But uh, my purpose is to soothe that savage beast in man. Do you have a current favorite song, gospel song, I'll say, spiritual song that moves you, that's your favorite right now as we have this conversation? Well, that's hard because um, whereas I wrote one that I've been singing, I have a lot of fun with it. It's called Wilted Roses on my latest CD, and the CD is called Third Set. But uh, I started throwing in occasionally, uh, a little while back, I was throwing in a good old hymn that is very well known among a lot of people, and sometimes I would even start the show with it if, I felt like I needed a little bit of, you know, something to really get me going. Yes. And it was, I don't know, you've probably sung it. it Great is Thy Faithfulness. Oh, is love one that. that. You know, I'll tell you, because I I think about how long I've been doing this, and right. God has been so, so very faithful to to me, to my family, to uh, just loved ones and neighbors and friends, and it's just when I think about, you know, it's scary just leaving your home at all. But we're traveling all over the the world and going about all this stuff that's been going on the last fifteen twenty years, and we're still here. I'm just so grateful. And in fact, somebody gave me a a book the other day. And it, it's called, it's a little book that she just handed me, and it, it says Attitudes of Gratitude. Oh, I love that. And you know, that's what I'm learning more and more, uh, how how to be grateful for whatever we face, um, 
for whomever shows up to hear us sing, right. for whatever condition my voice is in at the time and or my body, because, you know, traveling can take a lot out of you, oh, whatever I'm it sure. is, to be grateful. Well, grateful, you know, you can really release a lot of the energy when a person carries gratefulness. It's It's a way to have more love. It's a way to love people is to be grateful for them. And That's I've right. I've had some personal experience with that as well. And as we know, where there is love, there is God. There is no right. question about it. And definitely, we need a little more love and peace in God in our lives. Absolutely. I want to get to a place where you have a very fun story about a certain group that was staying, I believe, in Kansas, and you were playing piano and singing, and how you got discovered. Would you tell that story, please? Well, I was playing in Kansas City in 1985 at the Hyatt Hotel in the Crown Center area here in Kansas City, Missouri, on the Missouri side. And uh, I had been told that Tears for Fears was in the audience. They had performed at their concert in our city, but they were staying at the hotel where I was working. And they, after the concert, they went upstairs, changed, and came back downstairs to have a drink in the club where I was working. Right. And they sat there and listened to me sing and perform. And uh, John, the drummer, uh, my drummer, and now my husband, uh, had said to me, I think Tears for Fears is here. And I went, well, that's nice. He says, you, right? you want to go and meet them? I'm like, what's a British pop group going to do for me? You know, rock or whatever they are. And uh, so I did not meet them that night. That was 85. And two years later, without ever having met them, um, they found my number and called me up at home and told me what I sang that night and that they had been moved to tears listening to me sing and they had written a song called Woman in Chains that they wanted me to sing with them. And I I thought, well, this is a nice call. It probably won't come out and, you know, turn into anything. But that, well, thank you, Lord. That's a nice call. And a few weeks later, they came to Kansas City specifically for the purpose of meeting me and talking to me to get me to sing this song. And we spent like three or four days together. They'd come to the house and sit down and talk, and we'd, you know, went and exchanged records and that whole thing. And they came to my gig because I was playing piano bar somewhere. And um, and the next thing you know, I'm recording with Tears for Fears. Wow. And that's absolutely amazing that that it turned out to be I ended up getting a deal uh, after uh, recording with them, um, because Roland Orzabal of Tears for Fears said, told the A and R person, you know, you better sign her because she's going to get a lot of attention after this record comes out, and you'd be smart to be the first to sign her. And, and the guy, the A and R person, said, well, how do we market her? And Roland said, just let her sing. So. You got a record deal. Did you tour with them as well? Oh, absolutely. I toured with them for um, about six months around the world. And uh, I opened the show, actually, by singing their song, I Believe. And they allowed me a featured spot in the show. 
and I sang not only Woman in Chains, but also um, some of the other songs that they had, and one or two of my own, and it, and it was wonderful. They were very generous in sharing the stage with me, and I got to play on all of their stuff in the show, uh, you know, three feet high in the in the air on the grand piano. Oh, and my. It was like Brazil and Argentina and Ireland and Scotland and Germany and you name it, France, the Netherlands, England, and in Scandinavia, in all of sorts of places, and throughout America. So a lot of people that meet me today, uh, finally uh, talk to me today, uh, will say that that's the first time they heard me perform. And uh, it was really quite a, a wonderful experience. Oh, I bet it was. So you you are with them, let's say, for, what, the better part of a year or close to a year. And when you're done with them, you have a record deal. Talk about your first release. You know, when I when uh, Roland asked me what did I want to record, and he was the guy who was really uh, the more likely to produce me. So, um, And he really understood my talent, my gift, what I had to offer. He could tell when I had a good take and when I did not. And we spoke the same language, and I really appreciated that. And... Uh, my record was released while I was still on tour with them, so I was doing double duty, and that part wasn't so cool because it was asking an awful lot of my voice. But uh, if that wasn't enough, when it was released in, in 90, uh, I was touring not only with them, and then I started touring with Michael Bolton as an opening act, and I did a lot of TV shows, and then uh, in 91... Like March of 91, I was on Oprah's show when she had her daytime show. And uh, she uh, had me on the show and said that she introduced me as the voice that brought her out of the shower. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And when she did, I was already almost at gold. But when I performed on her show, then, of course, you know, it just put everything over and um, then everybody else caught on. It, what was funny, though, is that a lot of people in America didn't know how to pronounce my name, so they wouldn't back announce some of my records at first because they, they thought I was from some Caribbean island or something um, because the name was very different. And if you looked at the cover of Tears for Fears record, I was wearing this hat that had this gold braid on it and they thought oh maybe she's a, a caribbean princess or something <laughs> i was from out of town but uh <laughs> but um i'm grateful not only to them but also to um there was there were a number of djs who played my music and not only played my music a lot and telling other djs radio stations that they would be smart to to play my music, that it would bring about a, you know a lot of listeners, and uh, I'm really grateful for oh, that. Oh yes, I'm sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful experience. Well, I have to get to the song. I'm speaking with Olita Adams, who's coming to the Dakota on uh, July 23rd at seven o'clock. 
I know Lita uh, spent a lot of time here in the Twin Cities, so she and I are catching up like old friends do. And I wanted to talk about, uh, just to move forward a little bit, the song that created so much attention, I believe it was in the early 90s, and that, of course, is Get Here. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. I know who wrote it. I heard her do it. Her name is Brenda Russell. Mm-hmm. But you claimed it in a, in a way that people identify you with that song because it got them through a really hard time. Well, you know, it's so interesting that um, I, I found the song when, after I recorded with Tears for Fears, uh, I went from that recording session, uh, one month recording with them, five days a week in the studio. And then I had already planned to be in Scandinavia for six or seven months by myself playing piano bar, going from place to place. And so when I played Norway, I was in a dress shop during the day, and I heard Brenda Russell's uh, latest CD, which was Piano in the Dark, and Get Here was on there. And I loved the song immediately. And then John, who was my boyfriend at the time, he sent it to me, believe it or not, folks, a cassette. Oh, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And, of course, I learned the song, and I couldn't wait to sing it. When I got back to the States, we'd perform that song you know, it started out in the beginning of the night, and then we put it later and later so that we would do like 20 minutes of Get Here. Ooh. You know, we call it variations in the key of B-flat. And <laughs> <laughs> That's great. How many, I don't care, I don't care, I need you, blah, 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 going on and on and on. How much can you do? Well, well. we did a, long, a lot of it and loved it. And so when Roland said, what would you like to record? That was one of the first songs that I mentioned because I had really grown into it. I, I knew what I wanted to do. Right. But he said no on the 20-minute thing. Oh, so, darn. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't necessary because I already knew where I wanted to go, and it just fit so well. Even while I was traveling with them on tour, the crew members would ask that I do, um, for my sound check, they would ask me to sing that song. That sort of tells you a lot. you know, Oh, yes. The crew guys really don't care too much about a lot of stuff. You know, they're just like, uh, hurry up, get this stuff up, let's get the sound check on. Oh, it spoke uh, to them, obviously. It. Spoke it to them. It spoke to them. Yes. And when that happens, it sort of tells you something. You might have something here. Mm. And we thought, really, that that first record, see, uh, Circle of One, was you know going to be basically for my family and Roland's family, Kurt's family, and and just a few people we knew, having no idea that it would blow up the way that it did, because uh, he Roland thankfully kept the record company out of it, which you can only do if you have muscle in the business. Oh and, right, and Roland did, and I think you understand what I'm saying. I do. Um, the A and R person gets in charge, and suddenly, even though he didn't discover you, they feel that they are the authority of what songs are best for you. And you're like, hmm, that's funny. I've lived with myself for a whole lot of years, and uh, I know what suits me. So I felt really fortunate to have Roland saying, no, this is the direction we're going. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I had a chance to choose songs that I had written, like Circle of One, and I got to sing my song. 
as well as some tunes I had been singing for years, like Everything Must Change. Oh, and, yes. You know, uh, and it, I got a chance to express myself realistically, authentically. So it wasn't like trying to be what I was not. And uh, that made me feel really good. Well, I am sure because that does not happen very often. And we should tell everyone that Circle of One went platinum. Congratulations. Thank you. And that, I mean, you just had this incredible career for so many years. And now this most recent CD, I'm curious about it because we haven't talked about it. The third set. Mm-hmm. Why the third set? Um, back in the days when, before my breaks, when I was playing these clubs, I'd do three one-hour shows a night, six nights a week for, oh, anywhere from 45 to 50 weeks a year. That's a lot. And the I would do, you know, the first set, there's a bunch of, what we call rookies there, new people <laughs> who were not necessarily, you know, in in a hotel setting, you never knew what you were getting. Right. Uh, especially during the early part of the week. It was a lot of business people, conventions and so forth. So you do stuff to try to please them. The, the right, first play for the, the people. Mm-hmm. Right, play for the people the first two sets. The third set, if you were still there, you really wanted to be. So uh, the third set was for the musicians whatever they wanted, that's for right. however long they wanted. That's right. And that's where the creativity really happened. So my version of New York State of Mind happened during a third set, that sort of way where you can be creative and get that kind of feel and play around with the tunes. You can change them up or whatever. Um, it, you know, that's where you develop your sense of style and all of your different arrangements without having to worry about losing the audience. So um, third set, the the CD, I wanted it to be what uh, my band and I felt like, you know, performing. It was music mm. that we performed in the clubs and had been performing for the people and uh, taking our time, not paying attention to, oh, this song needs to be exactly three minutes and 20 seconds long, but instead just taking our time and doing what we felt like, not necessarily making it commercially, uh, you know, rated kind of. Well, I call that being in the zone. In the zone. In the zone, exactly. Uh Uh, One of my favorites on there that I play a lot is It's All Right With Me. What a killing arrangement. Oh, my gosh. You I love it. Yes. You know how I ended up doing this song is that I used to do that in the clubs, but I didn't do a fast version. I used to do a very slow version, and uh, which I also love. But but my husband actually requested that I record that song, and I tried to find a nice little groove to it. Oh yeah, it's definitely in the vein of remember the days that we used to listen to albums and you sit there you know maybe with a drink or something or and you actually listen you just listen and then you read the back of the album cover and put yourself (laughs) in the middle of that whole thing you imagine that the band was right there in your living room or wherever you were those days what did you like about it right oh 
What, what did I like, like about, about, that, about that song? Well, that song, the groove. I'd say the yeah. groove because I've sung it as a swing, Latin swing. Oh, wow. Up, real up-tempo. That's great. So wow. for me, the groove reminds me of when, like, um, Good Morning Heartache came out on the Chris Bodie CD. So when you look for that really special song and you find the groove that just locks with the meaning but also locks with the artist, right. that's what makes it so fun. Right. And that's why I go, okay, I love that because I've done it this way. I want to introduce the listeners for my show to a great standard done in a contemporary groovy fashion, which Olita Adams does. It's the wrong time and the wrong place. I have been so fortunate to work with some of the most talented musicians in my career, and uh, not the least of which are your brothers, that's for sure. They would love to hear you say that. Oh, and that's the truth. And uh, I still have songs that I sing that I I remember when certain uh, things were created, certain feels and so forth were created by um, your brothers. And it was wonderful. Or even your nephew. Oh, right. uh, Also, good grief, your whole family. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we love us some Olita Adams, too. So what a riot, you know. So that that sort of thing continues with, I've uh, got some great guys from L.A. who I've worked with for the last 10 years, and uh, uh, John Pena is playing bass, and he's worked with a lot of very prominent um, uh, recording artists, both in this country and out of the country, and um, it's just and also uh, James Hera, who uh, both of these guys also do a lot of studio work as well and um, travel with, you know, all the pros and the big names. Their, their lists, their resumes are so long, it's ridiculous. I don't even bother to start naming oh my gosh. all the stuff. But um, it's wonderful that when I mention their names, the other players go, oh, wow. I, I, of course I know them. Yes. And and that makes me feel good. And so we're just going to have a fantastic time. And, of course, my husband is playing drums. Um, this will be, oh, gosh, 30-something years that I've worked with him. And we will celebrate our 25th anniversary of marriage in October. I can't believe it's been oh, that long. Congratulations. Isn't that wonderful? John lays down the groove like no he one lays, I know. I'm telling you, yeah. he lays down. The, and he's just better than ever. And it's the kind of thing to where we're so comfortable, all four of us, with each other until it's hard to let anybody else in. Because <laughs> I understand. when you find that space, you know what I mean? It's yes. like the more people you let in, the less space you get. And it's nice when we're all breathing together, and it is so, oh, so electric and exciting and sensitive and 
wonderful. It's like just all the right things, and <laughs> it just makes me so happy. It's, you sound joyful, Olita. I am. It's just a joy to. It, it definitely is not work. I I feel so fortunate to be able to um, work with these guys. But better than that, even is that they're so easy to get along with, and it's just, it, it's wonderful. Well, so we've had quite a relationship. I was going to say, it does become quite a family, doesn't it? It does become a family. Yes, it does. Yeah. I love that you spent so much time with me, and uh, thank you for joining us here on Jazz 88. You always will remain an inspiration to me. So thank you, and I can't wait to see you. Thank you so much. I wish you all the best. Thank you and the same to you. All right. Bye-bye.